Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. I'm Rosa Mercado, and this is the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a podcast where we learn not just about ourselves, but about the ways of people who inspire us. Today's guest is an handsome ER physician and fitness and wellness guru, inspiration for many. Welcome to the podcast, Jedediah Ballard. How are you? It's so good to see you again. It's been a while since we worked together. It has. Thanks a ton for having me, Rosie. It's great to see you again. What have you been up to with all this craziness? Everything's going good for you? Yeah, everything's going well. I'm doing travel emergency medicine, um, still a little bit of media stuff. And uh, actually just as of this morning, finished my final edits on a rough draft of a book, uh, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, we're going to start off real quick with um, our quote of the day, and then I want to hear more about the book. So we're going to start, the quote of the day goes like this, and it's from actor Kirk Douglas. The learning process continues until the day you die. What do you think about the quote of the day? Love it. Love uh, Kirk Douglas as well. But that's um, so true. I think once you kind of stop learning, you know, you, uh, you're you kind of giving up at that point. There's uh, there's just too much to know. Yeah, Tony, I, I love what Tony Robbins says. Either you're either you're you're living or you're dying, either you're growing or you just get stuck. And I feel like momentum just keeps us helping. That learning process keeps that momentum going. And and as you're growing, I also feel that you're a lot happier. It's like you have more accomplishments. You have no new inspirations and you learn to do new things, which, which makes you even more interesting as a human being, don't you think? <laughs> no, absolutely. There's that whole book called Flow, which is the study of happiness, essentially. And it's um, that's the whole point of that is when we're happiest, it's when we're working towards something that's challenging, but we're capable of achieving. And that's what really makes us happy. That simplicity, our inner circle you know, not kind of all the big distractions, all that stuff. It's just the little things and trying to be our best that makes us happy. Well, talking about so many things and being our best. Now, tell me about your book. So congratulations on the book. I know what it is to have a book, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. That was a long process, which taught me about a lot about myself, but just the whole process. I mean, people don't understand when you really invest and pour yourself into a book. Like for me, it took me two years to complete my book. How has that process been for you? And what's, what's the name of the book? Yeah, it's going to be uh, fit enough for happiness. So it's very much a common sense approach to fitness and nutrition. Honestly, mirrors mirrors well with kind of the girl self esteem issues in a sense that it's a lot more about if you focus on health and confidence, kind of the sexiness and appearance will follow. So, oh, I like that. So health and confidence, the sexiness will follow. Yeah, it's true because people are people are sexy at different thicknesses, you know. So it's when someone's out there and they feel good, there can be a very broad range of kind of thick to thin that people are attracted to. That's more personal preference, you know? Oh my Um, God. Can you say that again? Oh my goodness. (laughs) For all of those, I mean, you are like invested into wellness, into fitness, and I've known you. And since I've known you, you've always, you've had a humble spirit, but you've never been a man that 
puts down thickness because there's a, there's a lot of human beings that do and there's a lot of men that behind the closet love thickness but they're not willing to say it openly and i just love what you said because it's yeah. an acceptance that there is sexy within different sizes and different body types hallelujah to that <laughs> no it's, it's so true i mean and you like i said kind of the whole point of this book is more of a common sense balanced long-term focus on health it's focused on health fitness nutrition all that stuff but not dieting at all and really just kind of feeling good where you're at because like you're saying kind of the whole point of your message um you know thick is beautiful and it's you can be thick and healthy that's very different you know anorexia is much faster than obese if you go to like ends of the spectrum so why is there this misconception that like if you're thick you're not healthy where where did that come from can someone explain that to me because um i understand what it is to be obese because i i was once there and i understand like there's health aspects to that like i completely understand and i'm not against that but when you're thick and and you're able to run you're able to exercise you're living a life that's full of vitality and you feel good because i can tell you for me i got down to 175 and i couldn't sustain that for my body i just couldn't why because in order for me to be 175 i practically had to be on a liquid diet um, it was fantastic to look at my body and be like, yeah, like I achieved it. But the feeling that followed the diet that I had to have to sustain that, I was not the happiest person. I was not the nicest person to be around. Why? Because my body was hungry for food. So for me, yeah. like the reality, my happiness, like it really is around, you know, being like, I'm, I'm always going to be full figured and I own, like mm-hmm. I own it, but I'm just, I feel like I have an appreciation for food and what it does to your body. Yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of one of the things I focus on there is eating in a nutrient first manner. So instead of kind of the mainstream of dieting, which is what you're cutting out, focus on getting the healthy nutrients in first, uh, good fats, berries, quality protein, things like that. So focus on filling up with the quality nutrients, the things that sustain your body. And it's a whole lot easier to cut out those couple things that are terrible for you. Um, it's actually kind of funny, but in doing research for the book and whatnot, something that I always believed, dieting is an actual risk factor for weight gain. Uh, UCLA did this huge meta-analysis, this study full of other studies uh-huh. to increase the power of it. And uh, dieting is a is a long-term risk factor for weight gain, which kind of made me laugh a little bit just because something I know, uh, essentially the multi-billion dollar health and fitness industry spends way more money on getting you to buy a diet plan than on if that works. Um, so their main focus is sales and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's business, it's capitalism, whatever, but yeah. they don't honestly care too much about <laughs> your long-term health. They care on if you're going to sell buy that plan, you know, hopefully that fails. And then six months later, they can sell you a new one. And so let me ask you, let me ask you this, since, since you did that research, what, mm-hmm. what are the long-term risks of dieting? Because I, I mean, I could tell you like I, in the past have been a yo-yo dieter. I had to transform my mind into thinking, okay, Rosie, this is a lifestyle and it's not so much based off the number of my scale because where are you really happy where are you full of energy and vibrant and going and that reflects in your spirit i really had to transform myself because if it was for a diet i would be miserable not eating a lot of things like i would completely be miserable and what are like the long-term effects because i know one of them is weight gain like you will wait if you don't make it a lifestyle you will wait gain the weight back like that's inevitable mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly, I absolutely love all the words you're using right now. Uh, I think in the future we might have to sit down and do a book signing together because uh, just down. What, we're kinda, what we're preaching mirrors very well. Um, but yeah, it's about the long term. And 
when dieting, obviously the risk is rebound weight gain. Um, when you're cutting calories drastically, which is most diets call you to, or restricting things, you have a tendency to slow down your metabolism so that as soon as you stop doing that, it's much easier to gain weight. Um, so weight gain is one of the risks, but the other is more of a mental standpoint. You wind up, instead of focusing on kind of the better things in life, you know, the people you care about, your goals, what you're dreaming for, when you're hungry, you wind up focusing on food so much and it throws you out of balance. It's a lot of fit people have forms of mild eating disorders. Uh, <laughs> you know, intro LA. Really? Like half the dudes that are built like me, I would consider to have mild eating disorders. Um, Get out of here. Are you serious? Like it's, it's an eating disorder that they have, like because I mean, I I I, I mean, I have had a lot of friends that are in bodybuilding. And they're yeah, eating and every three so hours, and it's like <laughs> protein, 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 and right. and vegetables. But it's the same thing over and over. And for me, I'm like, I know what it is to eat every three hours because I had I went through that journey of like, um, going working out, doing boot camp and stuff like, and it works, like it really right. works. But you have to live, like you have to live that lifestyle constantly. And I just. Boy, I got so, I got, I just looking at this and I was like, I can't have another piece of chicken and broccoli. I'm just, I'm (laughs) done. I need a little bit more flavor in my life. And and what I mean by eating disorder is anytime you're focused on what you're eating is overpowering other aspects of your life. It's a mild, it's a mild form of eating disorder in a sense. I get it. If you're going to go on stage and compete for a short period of time, you know, you cut phase, that's a little bit different, but most of those, at least a lot of figure athletes, you know, when they're not getting right ready for a contest, they have a lot of trouble. You know, they eat a bag of Doritos in a period of weakness or something. They're going to lose some sleep over it. You know, you shouldn't be affecting your sleep because of the food you're eating essentially. Well, what I found out like with one of my close friends who's in bodybuilding, he's amazing. I mean, when I'm telling you about deep discipline, like I have mad respect for him because he's got so much discipline when it comes to it. And I see him, but I also see him when he's, you know, he won the competition, he's off the competition. And he's like, the first thing he wants to do is eat like a big pizza. He wants to eat everything right after the competition. But I also, what I see a trigger is there's like a sense of depression that follows. Cause it's like, okay, I'm eating my, I'm eating, I'm eating. And then he starts getting weight and then like it affects his like, and then it's like completely zoomed in. All it is, is gym, um, gym eating every three hours again. And it's like complete working out. Like it's, it's intense. It really is intense. While he gets down and he sees the transformation, he's really happy. But when he gets away, he gets to a point where it's like he can't handle it anymore. And then he goes back into like this moment of like, all right, this is my life. And, and sometimes he's telling me like, sometimes I wonder if like I'm doing the right thing. And he's told me that. And I think about it. It's like, okay, you're dealing with the complete opposite. I've dealt with like, oh my God, I gained weight again. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. I'm dieting. Like what was what? And I always ask this question, what was wrong with me? Until I got so sick of it. I was like, okay, my, my mind frame is completely, how do you, how do, what would you tell people they could transform their mind into being happy and just loving, loving their body, but living a lifestyle? Yeah. And that's, that's really the whole point of this book I'm writing fit enough for happiness is working in, you know, regular exercise, balanced diet, but working it into a balanced life, not making it your life you know, your whole focus in life shouldn't be dropping 10 pounds. That's something that you can very easily work in and you just kind of do it a little bit background. It'll actually, the weight will come off easier. So for being healthy, you need balance. You know, the people in your life matter a ton. Simplicity matters a ton. You need to be working in either a field or towards a goal that really awakens you and inspires you. I mean, it's all these, these aren't really new concepts. They're all the, all the info from kind of the other books that are off topic, health and nutrition, but people that are struggling with, you know, weight loss or wanting to gain weight bad can tend to let that one goal just overshadow the rest of their life very easily. 
Now, what's interesting is that you are an ER physician and you're complete, like you have really made health and fitness, like you're busy, you work in an emergency room. How do you, how do you find that balance and, and staying healthy, dealing with your stress while doing something that you're passionate about? Cause you really care about giving back. You really care about making a difference. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for noticing. But, um, so kind of a couple things with that one, it seems counterintuitive, but um, habit and discipline actually create freedom. So there's some things you can do to consciously simplify your life um, to kind of protect the time you need and making habits of that and being kind of, kind of rigid with that, at least having enough discipline to form the habit will create a lot of freedom in your life. Uh, number one is learning to say no. You really have to kind of weigh your yeses because people want of your time. Um, I'm constantly asked to work more shifts in the ER but I like happiness more than money, you know? So I like, I work enough for sure. Wow. But if I just kept on saying yes, there is, you know, generally speaking, once you have enough, very little added happiness by having some more from a finance standpoint. Time, when you don't quite have enough, there's a great happiness gained when you get a little more. Um, wow. so what a shift that. in perspective. Oh my goodness. Like yeah. you value <laughs> happiness more than you do money. Like what, what would you do differently for the, for everybody that's listening? If you can make that decision of saying everything's taken care of, I want to do something that makes me happy. How would that shift your world, your family? How would you shift your personality, your self-esteem, your body? Like how would that, like what, what has that created for you living that lifestyle? It's, I mean, it's honestly great. And I also, you know, I, I get it too. When you, when you don't really have enough to meet your basic needs, like I, I know a lot of people are there and I came up from that situation, then you really got to kind of grind because your happiness is going to be directly related to not having to worry about getting your needs met. Uh, so, you know, I get that part too, but once you surpass that level, it's just, we're kind of only here once. And, um, you know, a lot of our work hours and whatnot are going to meld together when we're thinking back on our deathbed, whereas mm. taking the time off to be with the people you love maybe have some experiences that are pretty interesting, getting out, traveling, doing some other things, you know, those are the things that are going to really stand out. So I kind of try to step back from life and look from a longer term standpoint a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me a lot for making choices day to day. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you are, you're also, not, well, not only are you an ear physician, but you're also an assistant professor and you write articles for men's health magazine. I mean, you're, you're really, but you're, you're doing, I mean, you're doing a lot of things what were the biggest lessons that you learned growing up from your childhood? Yeah, so I had a amazing but non-traditional childhood from a U.S. standpoint. Um, really? So we were, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty non-traditional, um, a lot of ways. Uh, so, kind of touching on that a little bit. Um, during first grade, we lived in a barn. Um, I've hitchhiked, stolen food. I've never had a dog that wasn't over a half wolf. Kind of rural poor would be a good description, but you know, we were very, very educated poor. It's kind of weird. My parents still valued education, gave us a lot of freedom, um, instilled a very strong work ethic. So like I said, no quips about my childhood, but I also took action to make sure I didn't have my parents' adulthood. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what was the learning lesson from seeing your parents grow up? Like you said that you didn't want to have their adulthood. What was the learning lesson there? Just mainly, um, you know, putting in the putting in the work it takes, you know, figuring out a field that one, I was exceptionally passionate about 
but two paid the bills. Medicine was a good fit with that. I love the human body. I love helping people and medicine pays well. So, um, you know, putting in the work it took to get to the residency program I want, get accepted to med school, you know, all that, which, which did take periods of work and unbalance in a sec, in a sense, you know, but to get to where you're at, you kind of have to put in the work it takes to be willing to live the life you want and understanding that there's periods where you're going to be out of balance, you know, if you're grinding and trying to get competitive things and it's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hard work that goes into a lot of long nights studying, um, going above and beyond working at the same time to kind of go into the field. Now you chose medicine. What I, you said that you love, you love the human anatomy, but why, why medicine? And I understand that it pays the bills, but you have to be really passionate because for someone that loves to live a happy life, you're putting yourself directly into some crazy experience, especially working at the ER. I and mean, you must be, see so many things that push you to value life so much more. Yeah. And, um, emergency medicine is absolutely where I fit within medical fields. It's kind of different stereotypes and whatnot, but ER is just my perfect fit. I love that I get to interact with the full spectrum of society. So in the ER, I get the rich, the poor, the old, the young, kind of just this whole gamut. And it's really neat and an honor. I don't really take lightly in a sense that, you know, I get to go in there and people are telling me things within a five minute encounter because they need help that they might've been hiding from their family for years, you know, their sexual orientation, HIV status, things like this, that, you know, they don't necessarily want out there, but they're sharing with me a stranger so they can get the help they need. And like I said, it's, it really is an honor to get to connect with whatever community you're working in at that level. Um, So love that about the ER. Also like that it's a skill set where, you know, if the zombie apocalypse happens, I'm useful. Um, You know, if you're very specialized in a surgery, not so much if you don't have your tools and whatnot, but I'm good in the third world. I'm good in a rich suburb of LA. You know, I like having that. That uh, variety. Yeah. That adaptability. What do you, what, what has been the strongest, I don't know, moment or the hardest moment that you've had to view as an ER doctor and how did you deal with those emotions? Yeah. And part of, you know, as an ER doc, my best days, I'm actually saving lives. Um, my worst days, people are actually dying in front of me. And that's kind of an accepted part of the job. Um, I actually, kind of my most powerful moment in a sense, I wrote a story about it that Yahoo News published, which I was kind of you know, shocked and honored by. But um, I just had a, had a kid, I met him a couple times in the ER, sewed up a really big laceration because he split up two girls on a knife fight at his high school. Um, so he had a big, long one. So it took a long time. So I was talking to him and wound up seeing him a couple other times. And then one time he rolled in, I didn't know it was him at first. It was just level one trauma. Kid had got shot in the face at a party, you know, and after kind of doing everything to try and save his life, um, you know, we weren't able to, we were able to do our part and get him to organ donation. But then I, so the name looked familiar once the info came in. A lot of times the trauma, we don't have that. And I realized it was him. And, you know, that was just kind of a, it hurts, you know, when you kind of warm yeah. on um, with someone you consider to be young, very good hearted, a lot of potential just kind of raised in a rough area. Yeah. Um, but it, again, it's, you know, it, it, you know what it is, you kind of use yeah. your skills and training to do what you can and you can't save everybody. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, what, so, so you go through the, through those, those days that are harder. Cause I mean, saving a life, it's like, amazing. You feel on purpose. You feel on mission. You feel grateful. 
But on the days that you encounter that, like your emotions, and I know that it comes with that, are there certain things that you go and do for yourself to deal with the hard moments in your career? Because I think this is something that, you know, especially with pandemic and so many people going through hard times, whether it's losing their job, losing a loved one, dealing with those stressors of the unknown, like what do you think people could do in order to deal with, with those strong emotions or those, or the emotions of loss? Yeah. So like you said, a lot of people are going through nationwide right now. It's unprecedented kind of the number of people going through something right now. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I think it's simple, but it's honestly one of the best ways to clear your head is just kind of a brisk morning walk. So before you turn your phone on in the morning and kind of clutter up your mind with what's going on, just get up and have some time in your own head. It's great for you, mind, body, soul. When you exercise fasted like that, especially low intensity, you're going to pull mm-hmm. all the energy from your fat stores. So that's a plus. You're not going to break down muscle tissue. That's a plus. And the mental clarity and stress relief of just getting outside and being in the open. Um, you know, right now you're going to gyms, you're having to wear a mask. A lot of indoor things are kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, but outdoors, you can easily social distance. You don't need to wear a mask. Sunlight's great for you. And just the peace of the outside is so special. What do you think is keeping people, although they have the opportunity to exercise and eat healthy, what do you think keeps people from doing that regularly and eating better? Yeah, there's kind of a, kind of a mix of it. Um, one is kind of like we touched on earlier, just the, the marketing industry and whatnot, the way fitness is, it's kind of this sea of information that if you have a foundation, you know what you're doing, it's very easy to kind of sort out and see what's good, what's not. But if you're coming in at new, it can be very overwhelming because you'll get absolutely conflicting things. You know, don't eat any meat, be vegan, um, go keto, be all carnivore. You know, I mean, it's just what's preached out there is entirely different. So if you're not coming in with some sort of foundation, it can be super intimidating. Um, I think that's one factor. Another factor is change is just difficult. And people tend to, going back to the saying yes too much, people wind up overscheduling. And in today's society, you really have to protect the time for yourself. Yeah. Um, a big one is an all or nothing mentality. People think, okay, I don't have 90 minutes a day to get to the gym, so I'm not going to do anything. But if they haven't been doing any fitness for five years, literally 10 minutes a day in their living room, four or five days a week would be where they need to start. You do P90X and you haven't worked out for a while, you're going to be doing P-hospital <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you do a 90 minute workout if you haven't done anything for five years. You've got to start slow and kind of build up. So I I love that you said that, you know, sometimes we don't have to focus that maybe we might not have 90 minutes. And although pandemic is going on, people are staying home They're you know, going, I think what I love is it's as simple as taking a 10 minute walk outdoors, breathing that fresh air, getting out of your comfort zone, because I know that you could afford 10 minutes of your time for yourself. I think it really shifts your mind, allows you to breathe, allows you to get out of your mind, allows you to get away from the house and yet you're protected, you know, just starting off 10 minutes and then eventually increase little by little, especially if you go from not working out to working out and it should be a lifestyle. Like, I think it's something that shouldn't be like Monday through Friday. And then I'm off on the weekends because I found for me personally, that just making the time. And every time that I started that, that, you know, I would get away from working out and started again. It was so difficult to make it a habit again. It was so difficult to get back on track. And I felt that as soon as the week passed, I was a lot happier. I was like, oh my God, I have more energy. It's crazy how you work out and you have more energy. Yeah, totally. It's counterintuitive, but um, like you're saying, kind of building the habit of that, doing a string. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, had a huge calendar posted where he took a big red marker and every day he wrote a joke, he'd make a line. 
And after a while, he'd get this string of, you know, 50 lines in a row. And on days he didn't want to do it, he'd look at his calendar and not want to break that string. So wow. you know, doing stuff like that for, for any habit that you want to install that's not necessarily natural to you or easy, you know, going for a walk is a great way to do that. And even if you want to give yourself a day off a week, just go through and put a line through Sunday already, you know, so, you know, you don't have to do it that day if you want, but mm, some sort great... of system where you can track and see your progress and not want to break what you've already done. Now, in order to start eating healthier, what is something that someone could do listening right now? Like they could start as soon as they, they finished listening to the podcast, they're like, all right, I can do that. It's as simple as that. Look, let me take the first step. It's always just taking that first step. That's the hardest. But what's something that someone could do to start eating healthier for long-term vitality and energy? Sure. So an absolute, if weight loss is the goal, if you have you know, a little too much fluff, um, one of the easiest and first things you can do is just to commit to changing your habits to only drinking water. You can still use milk on your cereal, you can do all this, but if you just change to where you're not getting extra calories drank, because there's, there's a lot of calories. There's so, Jedediah, there's so many calories in drinks. Oh my goodness, just doing your morning Starbucks run. Um, just, just like, just the coffee with all the creamer. Um, sure. drinks. And you can drink black coffee. I'll give you black coffee too. Black yeah. coffee, regular tea, and, water. and teas. And teas. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for cinnamon tea. I don't know why. I don't need any sugar on it, but I'm like, I drink tea like on the regular. That's been my go to. Um, but it's crazy how many extra calories you consume just drinking. And it's crazy also how much better you feel drinking yeah. water hydrated energetic it reflects on your skin um it helps with your digestion and also sometimes i i learned this sometimes you're not hungry if you're dehydrated that is so true and it's actually um one of my kind of keys if you are trying to lose weight and you're wanting to grab a sugary snack stop yourself and pound a pint or two of water and just give yourself five minutes and see if you still want that sugary snack um because exactly like you're saying dehydration kind of gets tripped yeah. A lot of times when we register as hunger, especially for something sweet. Now, something that I think that is equally as important, and I think we don't touch enough, sleep. Mm-hmm. How important is sleep? And I know that we have, like, I know pandemic is, has happened. Anxieties are up. Some people can't sleep through anxieties. I completely get it. But what? how important, first of all, is quality sleep? Yeah, so quality sleep, it's kind of funny because throughout my life, I actually used to view sleep a little more of kind of an annoyance and a weakness, but I've totally shifted my thought process. Really? Why did um, you think that? That's interesting. Just what, what, yeah, why, it's just why a did lot you of, think You know, that? like special operations training, there was a week where I only got eight hours of sleep total. And, you know, we got yelled at for being, I stopped myself from cussing. I'm not sure what I can do on your podcast, but, um, you know, so, you know, there's just been periods of my life from very essentially alpha male, um, improper teaching to where it was viewed as a weakness, but, uh, but yeah, my, my thought process has totally shifted. Uh, medicine could be like that too, where it's kind of looked at as a little bit weak if you have to go to sleep on your 30-hour call or something like that. But, um, but yeah, now I realize that you absolutely need sleep to restore both your mental health and your physical health. That's when our neurotransmitters get built back up, our serotonin, our dopamine, all these things we need to think and feel good. The stuff that a lot of the antidepressant medicine is actually kind of replacing falsely, which isn't as good as if you get it naturally. Sleep is super important, doing what you can for quality sleep. And my number one tip by far in today's society is turn off your phone a half an hour before you go to sleep, leave it out of the room, and then bonus points if you don't turn it back on until after your me time in the morning. 
Mm, me time. I love that me time. So turn off your phone half hour before you go to bed, mm-hmm. get quality sleep. Cause also the light from the phone, doesn't it affect you? It doesn't affect you. Like it affects the hormones in your body. I was reading a, a, about that, that it affects the hormones in your body, especially women. Um, and then also it affects not being able to go into REM right away. Correct. Yeah. There's, there's that. Um, and then there's also just the, we've been conditioned by our little electronic leash you know, we're kind of, we see a flash, we hear a ping, even if it's just a subtle vibration of that next little dopamine hit of like, check, check, or, you know, somebody writes something negative on your post right before you go to bed. That's definitely getting you out of your mental peace right before sleep and keeping you up for a while. I mean, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh my God. How many, how many hours of sleep do you sleep? So I, it varies a lot because I work a mix of day, evening and overnight shifts. So what I do is whenever possible, I don't set an alarm at all. And I just get up when I naturally get up. Um, but I do shoot for between seven and eight hours a day. Seven, eight hours a day. Well, mm-hmm. that's good. You've given us so much information, some really good information. And just thank you for acknowledging that you could be different sizes from thin to thickness and still be healthy, that it is a lifestyle. Now, this is a point where I love to talk to my guests and I love to ask about moments of adversity that pushed you forward. One of mm-hmm. those lessons that you're like, okay, I went through this. What are some of the, what is one of those takeaways that you could share with us that pushed you forward and you really learned from, and it just changed your life? Yeah. And I want to go back a little bit to kind of the way I grew up just because it's very non-traditional in the, you know, growing up in a barn, hitchhiking, things like that, to jumping multiple socioeconomic classes and getting to where I'm at right now. Uh, That gave me a drive, but it also gave me a very interesting kind of chip on my shoulder. Coming into med school, I thought I would hate my classmates because I thought, you know, they're basically all rich kids. But right before I went to med school, I had the opportunity to go work in Cambodia for two and a half months. And then I realized from a worldview, I was US poor, I wasn't poor poor. So even though we were hungry occasionally, for the most part, we had enough to eat. And even though it was a barn at times, it was still shelter over our head. You know, poor people in other parts of the world are actually thin and bone. Um, you know, like not getting enough to eat, actually starving to death. And it was a just an incredible perspective to realize that worldview, I am rich, you know, I did grow up rich. So it really helped me just kind of give a lot of acceptance for the whole range, you know, and I need that in the ER, I need to very much love and respect the wealthiest, the wealthy, the poorest of the poor, you know, people that have had pretty, pretty varied um, past coming out of prison, etc. Just because all of us have good and bad in us. And, you know, that's, that's a human condition. So you just got to kind of accept it, love where you can and help where you can. Well, it's great that you were able to have that perspective and have that experience in your life because it really tells you, you know, um, that it, it tells you that the story you give, everything that you've gone through will either hold you back or push you forward. And you use that experience to push you forward to become a doctor. And the biggest part of it is that not only become an ER doctor, but to really contribute and make a difference in this world. Thank you so much, Jedediah, for like sharing all the information. I love your humble heart. I I wish you luck with the book, please. When it's up and going, let me know. I'm here to pay it forward, help you. And if you ever want to sign together, please let me know because we share a lot of commonalities. It's crazy everything that I've learned through my journey. And I just I just commend you for everything you're doing. Oh, thanks a ton, Rosie. And awesome talking to you. And um, yeah, would love to work together with you because like I say our views very much the same. Oh, Health, that's... confidence, happiness, be you. I love it. Mm, I love it. Jedediah, where can they find you? Where can they find more inspiration? 
Yeah, so I keep up on my Instagram pretty regularly. It's at um, doctor underscore Jedediah doctor. And then uh, I do have a number of, especially fitness and nutrition tips up on my YouTube, Fit Enough. It's a work in progress. I'm working with tech. Uh, robots and magic scare me a little bit, but my little brother started helping me and it's helping. So uh, oh, that's yeah, awesome. Plenty of simple home exercise tips there. Oh, that's good. You guys got to definitely go check it out. Jedediah, thank you so much. Stay happy completely transform your life into a healthy lifestyle and you hear it here only on the girl with self-esteem issues i'm rosa mercado keep listening seeing other people achieve their dreams fills you with questions why did it work for them what's the difference between us one key factor is opportunities for success a lot of other people think that these just appear that offers are going to fall into their lap And that's just not the reality. Sometimes opportunities are handed to us, but most of the time we need to create space for our dreams to come true. These are things that you can start doing right now to create your own opportunities. Number one, take action. Two, build the right philosophy. Three, avoid toxic people. Adopt these habits to make sure opportunities come knocking. It's not fate or grain G pool. It's not an accident. It's not even a lucky star. People who enjoy consistent success know what it takes to make great opportunities happen. Change a few habits and people might be wondering how you got so many opportunities too. Remember, I'm always here to help, always here to grow with you. If you want to hear more about my journey, be sure to check out my memoir, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, available both in English and Spanish through HarperCollins and HarperOne. You can also find the link to purchase in the show description wherever you're listening to this podcast. What you just heard was season two of The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning audio course. To listen to the rest of the course and others like it, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie season two and enter promo code relationships to get your first 14 days absolutely free. I hope to see you there.